and I will show wonders in the heavens and in the earth, blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and the terrible day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be delivered. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem shall be deliverance, as the Lord hath said, and in the remnant whom the Lord shall call. Amen. Welcome, everybody, to the Remnant Calls. Brother Frank, glad to be with you here tonight. And just wanted to start off about, uh, if you did not get a chance to listen to last week's episode on lost believers, please uh, tune into that. We looked into some insights into uh, Second Kings and... Uh, and there's just a lot of hope out there, folks. I know the world looks so bleak, but the, if you're struggling, I mean, there is a way out. Tonight's program, we're going to talk about that. Last week's program, I, I'll tell you, there is uh, some deep, deep rhema word in Second Kings I shared last week uh, that I, I promise you, go check it out. It's not because I promised what I said. It's in the very word of God. It will touch you and, and uh, for you to understand God's got a plan for you to get out of whatever you're in. I won't keep you any longer, but let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that this program, Lord, would bless somebody with the knowledge, Lord, to understand that no matter how dark it seems, no matter what they're going through, that God has a way out. I just pray that you would bless this show to your glory and honor, Father. Bless those who are right now struggling. Bless those who have emailed me. Lord, the prayer requests that have come in, Lord, you know all of them. I pray you would bless them in Yeshua's name, Lord. Just tonight that this show would just touch people's hearts, I pray. In Yeshua's name, amen. Well, folks, tonight's show is an important one. Because I, I just the emails come in, the, the messages come through, and, and so many people, they know the times that we're living in. They feel so disconnected. And, and I, the remnant call, we want to strengthen, strengthen the believer to know that God has a plan for his remnant. He has a plan for, for his body of believers to make a way of escape, no matter what the situation that you are in. Folks, if martyrs can go down clapping at the cross while, or at the stake while they're being burned, don't you think God can deliver you? I mean, if you've never read Fox's Book of the Martyrs, you need to read that book. It, God can go into the most extreme situations, and what he does is just unbelievable. But tonight's message, Breaking the Curse, Mysteries in the Book of Ruth. And you need to stick through to the end, folks. That's when we're going to begin to dig into the mysteries of this book. Stick with me here. We've got to cover some territory before we get there. So don't drop out too early. Stick with me. But have you ever been reading the Word of God? You know, you've gone through it. You've been in that chapter over and over again several times. And then out of nowhere, they just... It, just split you right into, right between the eyes when this revelation comes forth about a deeper truth into the Word of God. 
And, and you're kind of like, wow, where did that come from, you know? And, and this happens to us many times in our walk with God. He reveals to us things that, that, that we've never known before. That's why the Bible is so amazing, because no matter how well you think you know it, you don't know anything when it comes to the depths of God. He always has something new to reveal when you want to go deep. So don't think, and folks will never have it all. God's got something else there. He's got a deeper word. And this happened to me a while back while I was reading in the book of, of Ruth. It just kind of shocked me, you know, and just as God began to show me some of the deeper meanings as I was reading with some friends of mine uh, one afternoon, we were going through this book, became alive in a way I'd, I'd never seen it before, and I want to share that with you tonight, and so I'm just going to jump right in, Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, here we go, if you got your Bible, open it up, Ruth chapter 1, verse 1, let's get going, now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi. And the name of his two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons, and they took them wives of the women of Moab, and the name of the one was Orpah, and the name the other, Ruth, and they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. She was all alone. Now here she was, come in with her, with her family. Her husband did the right thing. He took them to a place, um, you know, you can argue about going to Moab, but he, he did what any husband would do in a bad situation. He took them to a place where they could find provision. He was, he was trying to provide for his, for his family. So he takes them out into Moab because there's food there, there's a famine in the land in Judah, and so he goes out there, and, and, and over a period of 10 years, Naomi loses her husband, but it's okay. I mean, it's tough. That's hard, you know, to deal with, but she still has her two sons, and so her two sons end up taking on good wives there. They're Moabitess, but they're, they, they, they're good women. They seem to really love their mother-in-law, so everything's okay, and then out of nowhere, she loses both of her sons, and now she's all alone with only her two daughter-in-laws, they're not even Israelites. And so she, she, she doesn't know what to do. She's, she's distraught. She's broken. This woman is, is completely cracked. And, and she, she's like, you know, she, I don't know what to do. And so she hears that, that, that you know, there's a, the famine had, was over now in the land of Judah. And so she decides to go back. And so when she decides to go back, her her daughter-in-laws, want, they want to go with her, and so she's there talking to them, and, you know, they're pleading their case, saying, hey, we want to be with you and everything. She's like, no, listen, I don't even have any sons. I mean, what are you going to do? Wait for me to get remarried and have children and then grow up? I'm too old for I mean, come on, go back to your families. You've been good daughters, but, but this is not for you. It's time for me to go. My life's over here, you know. Go home to your own families. 
You know, do something. Find new husbands. You know, just go home. And so finally Orpah relented and she went back. But Ruth was determined. No, no. I'm, I'm going to be with you. I'm, I'm not going back. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have another life. I want to I be with you. I want to go to your uh, country, and, and, and I want to dwell with your people. And so she, she tells him, says, listen, listen, I want, I want your, your God to be my God, and, and I want your people to be, to be my people. Because I, I don't, this is not my home anymore, Naomi. It's, it's with you who I want to be with. So she goes, Back and forth, and, and just, I mean, to pick it up here, listen to, listen to Ruth's voice. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or, or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And whither thou lodgest, I will lodge. And thy people shall be my people. And thy God, my God, where thou diest, I, will I die. And, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if aught. But death part thee and me. And so Naomi saw that Ruth was determined. There was no way. She loved not only her mother-in-law, but she loved the God that she had come to know through her husband and through her mother-in-law's family. And she wanted this. Moab was no longer her home anymore. So she, she wanted to go back and be with them. And so Picking it back up in, in Ruth chapter 1 and, and verse 19, this is what it says. So they went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, hey, is, is this Naomi? And you can only imagine this is a great homecoming, right? You're, you're going back to your home. And I don't, if you've ever been away from home for a long time, I could, you know, I've traveled, you know, been in the Marine Corps and things like that. I know what it's like to be gone and come back home, how exciting it is. And people are excited to see you. And so they're like, hey, is this Naomi? And so Naomi, instead of being happy to be back home, even though she's been through some tragedy, she looks at them and she's, she's so devastated. In verse 20, this is what she says. And she said unto them, call me not Naomi. Don't call me Naomi, she says. Call me Mara, for the Almighty hath dealt bitterly with me. For I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty. Why then call ye me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned and Ruth, the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of the barley harvest. So here Naomi, broken, completely bitter. She's upset and angry with God because of what happened. I mean, how could God have let her husband and two sons die? What, what had she done so wrong? I mean, the Lord, she went out full, and she's coming home empty. How could God do that? And, and even though God had given her Ruth to be with her, she was so upset when she got back to Bethlehem. They said, hey, is this Naomi? Don't, and she said, don't you dare call me Naomi. I mean, there is nothing. See, Naomi is, means pleasant. There is nothing pleasant about me. See, Naomi's name was supposed to represent who she was, but this pleasant Naomi was now a very bitter 
woman. And so she says to people, don't you call me Naomi, but call me Mara. That means bitter. Of the Lord has dealt bitterly with me. The Lord has sent her out full and returned her home empty. Don't you dare call her name Naomi. You see, folks, God... Sometimes we, we, we get this relationship, we've got, we've got this uh, a good thing in our life, and, and we're known as a pleasant person, and everybody's happy to see. But though everybody hits some time in their life this point where just, sometimes a root of bitterness can come in, and you begin to feel so angry that you forget who you are. Naomi was not a bitter person. No, she was a pleasant woman. But this had torn her to her very core. She was broken and weak. Her whole life's dreams, desires had come crashing down. And all she had left is this Moabite daughter. I mean, yes, Ruth was a blessing. I mean, don't get me wrong. But I can't help but think Naomi was not very hopeful. I mean, Ruth was a Moabite, right? And the Moabites, they were actually forbidden to even come into the congregation of the Lord for ten generations from the time of Moses, okay? This was not long enough yet. So here, you know, Naomi's bringing back a cursed thing with her, okay? And, and, and so here she's showing up. She's completely bitter. And, oh, by the way, my daughter-in-law has got a curse on her head because she's a Moabite. And nothing looks good. She has lost everything, and they are now poor and don't have anything to eat. Life for Naomi couldn't look more bleak. Life for many people listening to this show couldn't look more hopeless. Because I get the emails. I see the struggles. I hear the cries. And I know there are people out there that you feel broken. You're wondering, does God care about me? And you feel like Naomi right now. You feel like Mara. You feel bitter because you love the Lord. But it seems like you lost that child or you lost that loved one or you lost something in your life or that job white out. And you're wondering, why would God take this away? What did you do so wrong to deserve that? You see, folks, the things in the Bible, these people were human just like us. They felt the same emotions just like us. And they went through the same things just like us. And sometimes we can feel like God doesn't care anymore. We can feel like Mara. We're continuing on, and you know, they're poor now. They, they don't have anything. Ruth 2.1 says, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi, Now let me go to the field and glean ears of corn after him, in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reaper, and her hap was to light her hap was too light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz, who was the kindred of Elimelech. So 
Ruth, kind of learning what's going on there, seeing their dire situation, says to Naomi, listen, listen, I, I, there's a, listen, I know you've got a kinsman out here, okay, and he's got some stuff. Let me, let me, go, let me go to the field and, and, and get some food from there. Let me go out there and, and glean from that field a little bit. So, so Naomi says, okay, yes, go, go and glean from this man's field because, see, God had made a provision in, in Leviticus that, that everybody was to be taken care of. The poor were to be taken care of. See, Leviticus says in, in chapter 19, 9 and 10, it says this, And when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleaning of thy harvest. And thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape of thy vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and the stranger, I am the Lord your God. See, God was about taking care of the poor. God was about taking care of those who couldn't take care of himself. So he says, listen, when you're, when you're harvesting your field, don't, if some stuff falls off to the side, don't get every, all the corners in your field. Leave some for the poor and the stranger. See, that, that's the interesting part is the stranger piece. See, because, because a lot of times people only want to go out and witness or only want to go out and take care of the poor if they believe they can get a convert to, the, to, to Jesus. But the Bible, that you, don't, you don't have to convert everybody you take care of, but you do need to take care of people. See, I, these believers that think that we don't, we don't have a, 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 a duty, I mean, yes, we do it out of love, but folks, we're here to take care of our brothers and sisters. This is the example that God set from the beginning, that we are to take care of those who can't take care of themselves. Leave something behind. You know, there's a lot of people in the body of the Messiah today that have never, ever taken care of anybody except themselves. And you wonder why sometimes we struggle? I'll tell you, when you don't give back to God what's his, and you don't, and that's a whole other thing on your tithing, folks. I'm a full 100% supporter of tithing, but and not only that, but taking care of others. But yet, we want God to take care of us. See, God knows when you take care of others, you'll get blessed, because you feel the blessing of what it's like to take care of someone else, and you understand it. It reminds you that you're about a paycheck away from being homeless yourself. And so taking care of the poor, it's what we do as believers. And so because of, this, because of this provision, there was hope that even though they had nothing, there was a place to go and get some food because it was the time of the barley harvest and there would be the law of the gleaning. And the gleaning said, don't cut it all down. Continuing in verse 3. And she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And her hat was too light on a part of the field belonging to Boaz, who was the kindred of Elimelech. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. And then said Boaz unto the servant that was set over the reapers, Whose damsel is this? And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, is it, it is the Moabite damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and hath continued even from the morning until now that she tarried a little in the house. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, 
Hearest thou thou not my or excuse me, hearest thou not my daughter? Go not to the glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee, and when thou art athirst, go unto the vessel and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said unto him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes, that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? And Boaz said unto, unto her, It hath fully been shown me, all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law, since the death of thine husband, and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and are come unto the people which thou knewest not there heretofore, and the Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come. So here Boaz, he sees Naomi, or Ruth, in the field. And, and he, he's found out the story of, of who she is because, hey, this is the Moabitess, right? Oh, yeah, I've heard about her. Yeah, I've heard about, this is a good woman, and I know what she does. And, oh, by that way, you know, she's not too awful bad looking either. Yeah, he did take notice of that. And, and so he said, listen, don't go somewhere else. Stay here. Stay close. Stay in, in my field. You see, here, I mean, it's, Boaz is kind of like, uh, like a, 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 a representative, representing like God. You know, don't go somewhere else. Don't try to, to, to find help in another field. Listen, the Lord has enough left over. Boaz had enough. You see the picture that's starting to be painted here? Stay here in this field. So Ruth goes home to Naomi and tells her of this amazing day. Uh, Naomi tells her straightforward in verse 22, and Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they, they meet thee not in the other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of the barley harvest, of the wheat harvest, and dwelt with her mother-in-law. So when Naomi heard what, what Ruth said, she says, listen, man, don't you dare go anywhere else, okay, Ruth? Naomi's like, stay right there. Be, stay there till the end of this, okay? Because everything's, everything's going to be all right. And so, so Naomi begins to, to formulate a plan. She sees what's going on. You know, it doesn't take long for word of mouth to get around the buzz of what's happening in the area right there. So Naomi says, listen, listen, I got, a, I, I got, I got an idea of what I want you to do, okay? She's continued on there. And so she's like, listen, listen, I want you to go in in the evening time when, 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 they're, when they're done doing the, the threshing and all that stuff and, and everything. And, 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 and I've got some specific things I want you to do. And I want you to lay down at his feet and uncover it. And, and, and let's just read what the Word of God says about it. Naomi says, listen, this is what I want you to do. And I'm going to read about it right now. And so she went down under the floor and did according to all that her mother-in-law bade. And when Boaz had eaten and drunk and his heart was merry, he went to lie down at the end of the heap of corn, and she came softly and uncovered his feet and laid her down. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself, and behold, a woman lay at his feet. And he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth, thy handmaid. 
Spread therefore thy skirt over thine handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord my daughter, for thou hast showed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning, inasmuch as thou followest not young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, fearest not, I will do to thee all that thou requirest, for all that the city of my people doth know, that thou art a virtuous woman. And now it is true that I am the near kinsman, howbeit there is a kinsman nearer than I. Tarry this night, and it shall be in the morning, that if he will perform unto thee the part of the kinsman, well, let him do the kinsman part. But if he will not do the kinsman, the part of the kinsman to thee, then will I do the part of the kinsman to thee, as the Lord liveth, lie down until the morning. So here, here uh, Ruth goes in and she does exactly what her mother-in-law says to do. She goes in and does exactly what that, and she knows that, that listen, there is, a, there, there is a duty to do here, right? Because, see, he's the kinsman, and there's a near kinsman. So, say, Naomi sees this opening. Wait a second, wait a second. Okay, maybe there is hope here, because Boaz is a single man. You know, he, does, he can do this right now. He's a near kinsman. And, and see, there was a law in the Word of God that, that talked about the near kinsman, that if a brother was to dwell, and, and it, was in, it was in the Deuteronomy 25, if brethren dwell together and one of them die and have no child, the wife of the dead shall not marry without unto a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go in unto her and take her to him to wife and perform the duty of her husband's brother unto her. And it shall be that the firstborn which she bears shall succeed in the name of his brother which is dead, and that his name be not put out of Israel. So she sees this, oh man, the law, the, the, the kinsman redeemer, wait a second, this is great, because that means that Boaz will have to marry her to fulfill this great provision that God set in there, that if, if you had a child, if you had a son, and, and, or if, you know, and, and he died, or, and, and, and he didn't have any children, then, then the brother, the near kinsman would come in and have a child, marry that person, and then raise them up. But there was a problem here, because there was somebody that was even a nearer kinsman than Boaz was. And Boaz said, listen, we're going to have to contend with this, but, but just, just well, if you'll do it, then that's fine, but if you won't, I will do it. And so the next day, he said, yeah, you know, Boaz, I, I have to believe this man, he was in love. He was in love, and he was excited. So it says, then Boaz, it says, then in Ruth 4, verse 5, it says, then said Boaz, what day thou buyest the field? So he goes, let me back up here for just a second. Boaz goes to the township, gathers all the people around for a witness, and brings this case of the near kinsman redeemer to him. Explains what's going on with Naomi and everything, but brings his cousin, his, his near kinsman in there and says, listen, you know, this is, there is a near kinsman, you know, and so he's got all the people out there. He's got them all gathered around, but he says to this person, listen, there's a little bit of a problem here, okay? You need, because when the cousin hears, I'm sure he's excited. Oh, yeah, there's some land that comes along. Uh, that would be great. I'll fulfill this and get all this. But, but Boaz, being the smart man he is in verse 5 of Ruth chapter 4 says, then Boaz Boaz said, What day thou buyest the field of the hand of Naomi, thou must buy it also of Ruth, the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance. And the kinsman said, I cannot redeem it for myself, 
lest I mar my own inheritance. Redeem thou my right to thyself, for I cannot redeem it. He says, listen, man, I, I'm not going to mess up my own inheritance for these two, you know, widow and a, and a, and a single woman, or both actually two widows here. I'm not, and a Moabite, I'm not messing up my stuff for that. So it says in verse 7, Now this was the manner in former time in Israel concerning redeeming and concerning char changing. For to confirm all things, a man plucked off his shoe and gave it to his neighbor, and this was a testimony in Israel. Therefore the kinsman said unto Boaz, Buy it for thee. So he drew off his shoe, and Boaz said unto the elders and unto all the people, Ye are witnesses this day that I have bought all that was Elimelech's, and all that was Chilion's and Malion's at the hand of, of the hand of Naomi. Moreover, Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of Malon, have I purchased to be my wife to raise up the name of the dead upon his inheritance, that the name of the dead be not cut off from among his brethren and from the gate of the place. Ye are witnesses this day. Here is where it starts to take an awesome turn. So there's a lot of parallels in this book. There's so much to go into. It's too much. But there are some secrets in the book of Ruth that are absolutely awesome. So here, Boaz strikes the deal. I bought them. She's now going to be my wife. I'm going to take care. I'm going to do my part as the kinsman redeemer. But remember what I said earlier? There's a problem. See, when I, when I began, the Lord began to open this book up to my mind. I started to see a problem in this book that didn't go over very well at first with me. Because when I first looked at it, I said, wait a second. There's a problem here. Ruth is a Moabitess. She's not even supposed to be in the congregation of the Lord for ten generations. How could God possibly bless Ruth? How could God allow this to happen? Okay, just because his cousin won't deal with it and he ends up lucking out or being blessed to get this deal. There's still a problem that you cannot ignore and that the problem that here, Ruth is an absolute cursed Moabite. This is an illegal marriage. How can Boaz possibly marry Ruth being a Moabitess? This is forbidden. There's a curse on her. She is condemned. How could God ever allow this to happen? And this thought began to trouble me. Because I know God always keeps his own word. He, he doesn't con contradict himself. But why would he allow this to go forth and to ultimately bring forth the Messiah down through this? And as I was contemplating and I was searching, all of a sudden I came up, I realized that God had wrote a provision into his word for just a situation as this. And it's in Exodus 12, verses 48 and 49. You've got to listen to this. And when a stranger shall sojourn with thee and will keep the Passover to the Lord. Let all his males be circumcised, and then let his, him come near and keep it, and he shall be as one that is born in the land, for no uncircumcised person shall eat thereof. One law shall be to him that is homeborn, and unto the stranger that sojourneth among you. What God is actually saying here is like, listen, if a stranger comes into the land, 
and they will keep the Passover. They, they will do the things of God. You remember earlier, Ruth had said to Naomi before they took off, said, listen, I want your God to be my God. I want your people to be my people. See, Naomi is saying, I want to become a part of Israel. And so here she is, a cursed woman. Here she's got this forbidden woman. But because she decides to come in and to keep the things of God and to become a part and to make the Lord Yahweh her God, the Bible says that she is now going to be as one born in the land. See, she, Ruth is one of the earliest pictures in the Word of God of a born-again believer. She came out of Moab with the curse, and she gets born again. And now, instead of being this cursed Moabitess, now she is a citizen of the nation of Israel because of the law of the kinsman redeemer and because she followed what it said in Exodus and began to follow the things of God, so she is now born the land. Did you hear what it said? And he shall be as one that is born in the land. She got born again. You, you see what it's talking about, folks, here? See, some of you have been wandering around for everything. There's a curse on you. There's something wrong. I can never get free. I've had the worst family heritage. I've done all these bad things. There's no hope for me. And so here God's saying, no, no way. No way. Listen, look what I did. This cursed woman who was absolutely forbidden to come into the congregation of God gets born again because the Lord always made a provision for anybody who wanted to follow him. Ruth got born again. I don't understand what you think that you've done that's so bad that God can't restore you and get you as one born of God. In the land, born of Israel, of his kingdom. You see how exciting this is? Because too many people feel like they've gone too far. And so here's a woman that's been forbidden in the very word with a curse, and God reverses it. God reverses the curse. Did you hear what he said? In Ruth chapter 2, it was the very end I read the last verse. So I was reading right through that one section. It said, the Lord, and this is what Boaz says, the Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Ruth, under God's wings and got born again. Hallelujah. But there's more. Oh, there's more. Maldon. Remember her husband that died, right? Okay, we were just talking about the law of the kinsman and the redeemer, right? Okay, so here's Maldon. And I read it before about the, you know, the, the law of the king, kinsman and redeemer, but I want to read this one little verse again. Okay, these two verses. If the brethren... If brethren dwell together and one of them die and have no child, the wife of the dead shall not marry without unto a stranger. Her husband's brother shall go in unto her and take her to him to wife and perform the duty of, the, of a husband's brother unto her. And it shall be that the firstborn which she beareth shall succeed in the name of his brother which is dead, that his name be not put out of Israel. See what's happening here? Moab marries Ruth. 
redeems the cursed thing. God, while you were yet sinners, died for you, right? Came when you didn't even deserve it. You had a curse you didn't, you didn't deserve to be. Comes and lays his life down. Jesus does all and, and gives his life for you. Here Moab not only marries her, but now he's going to raise up his firstborn in Malon's name. See, I know if you read the lineage of Jesus, Yeshua in the New Testament, you will see Ruth, you will see Boaz, Boaz, but what is in the lineage that's not named there, but it's in the lineage, and that is Malon. Malon is in the lineage of the Messiah because of the law of the kinsman redeemer. See, but Malon, had he not died, right? Had he not died, he would have never been in the lineage of the Messiah. You remember, remember Romans 6, 11, right? Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. Right, Paul says, I die daily. See, if we too are willing to die to sin, if we too are willing to allow the Lord to crucify this flesh of ours, if we are willing to be humbled and, and let God give us that new heart and to get born again and to, and to take away this old, that we too will also have a part with the Messiah, just like Malon had. Malon is a part of the lineage of the Messiah. So see, if you read the very last, the ending of the, of the book here, it says that Naomi took the child and laid it in her bosom. This is after Obed, right? Had been born and became nurse unto it. And the women, her neighbors, gave it a name saying, this is a son born to Naomi. And they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. So here they end up having a baby. And they take the baby and they actually gave it to Naomi. Raised up in the name of Malon. And now Malon has a part in the Messiah's lineage. Just like you too can have a part with the Messiah if you're willing to die also to your flesh. See, Naomi was weak. And she thought God was angry with her. But in reality, the Lord was preparing the way for the Savior of the world to come not just through Ruth and Boaz, but also through Malon. In Naomi's weakness, the kinsman redeemer, right? Jesus Christ, our Lord, Yeshua, it was drawing near about a blessing like none other. See, so often it's when we feel like God is not there is when he has got a big plan in place and we'll just stick it out. The Messiah is going to do something so amazing that if this thing had not had happened, Malon would have never had place. And so here at the end, not only was this son to keep Naomi's family name alive, but God gives Naomi the son back to her. God restores Obed to Naomi. That's what it said. I just read it for you. They gave the child back. Remember, and the women and the neighbors gave it the name saying, there is a son 
born to Naomi. Hallelujah. She thought God hated her. She was so angry. God had taken everything away. And the whole time the Lord was getting ready to etch that family name in the history of all histories. And that is the lineage of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach. Naomi is holding the father of the one day to be born Messiah through the lineage, the earthly father, not the heavenly father. But she's holding the baby in her hands. God wasn't mad at Naomi. He was preparing her for the greatest blessing of all time, and that's to have a part in the Savior's lineage. Folks, God's not trying to harm you. He's not forgotten you. But he might be preparing you for a life-changing experience if you only let him. You see, when we are married to the world, there's no need for a kinsman redeemer. You have nothing to be redeemed from because you are married to the world. You enjoy the world. But when you're willing to die to flesh, when you see that that's not what you want anymore, when you're willing, really, to take the separate yourself from that, oh, folks, that's when the kinsman redeemer begins to draw near. See, when you are broken and you get down to that place where you feel like you're wondering where where God is at, it's at that moment that the kinsman redeemer shows up, ready to restore, and he comes running to give you a part with Jesus. I don't know what it is you're suffering right now. But if God can take a cursed Moabitess and redeem her into the lineage of the Messiah and take a dead husband and bring him into the lineage of Messiah and when they thought they were at their lowest point, God says, hold on a second. It's not too late. Remember the law of the gleaning? I got provision still for you, even when you're broken. God has provision. He left the corners of the field. He left you a measure of the Spirit. God has something for you in your darkest hour because the kinsman redeemer is coming to restore that which the canker worm has eaten. That which the devil has attempted to destroy, God comes to, re to make it all good again. He's got it taken care of because it's okay. Naomi, Mahalion's in the lineage now. I took care of it. I took care of it. And that baby you're holding, yeah, one day, one of his grandchildren are going to give birth to my son on this earth. Oh, folks. I don't know what you're suffering right now, but the kinsman redeemer is coming near and he's here to restore. And if you're willing, he's able. And if you're broken, he's a specialist at fixing. God draws nigh to those that are of a broken heart and a contrite spirit. God is here to save. I want you to take hope that even though we are entering some dark, 
dark days ahead in this country. And we are entering some really immoral times. God has a plan for you. Keep pressing in. And remember, there's nothing that God cannot save you from. He is able and he is willing and he is ready. As soon as you invite him in, as soon as you cry out, and when you say, hey, Lord, listen, I'm broken, but I want, I want to draw near. I'm coming back to glean, Lord, because I need a piece of what you've got right now. The Lord says, don't you go to any other field. You stay right here with me. I got you through this thing. I got you through the hard time right now because I've got a marriage that's coming. It's called the marriage supper of the Lamb, and I'm going to make everything right again. There's nobody else that's going to redeem right now except the Lord. And he's got your back. Keep pressing in. This is Brother Frank with the Remnant Call saying goodnight and shalom.